If you want to know anything and everything there is to know about how to sell your house, you're in the right spot, my friend. Welcome to the How to Sell a House podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of How to Sell Your House podcast. In this episode, we're going to get into how to prepare your house for sale. Not only like all the stuff you hear everywhere, clean, declutter, which we're going to get into, all that kind of stuff, painting, etc., but how to prepare for pricing your home, how to prepare yourself, your family, mentally uh, for getting your house ready to sell. This is a comprehensive guide. We're going to go through everything that is important in getting your house ready for sale. And we're coming to you live from our San Diego location. I'm Chris Erickson. I'm Cassidy Lewis. Lauren Sanders. We're all with the Beach Life Group at Compass. And if you want more info on this, you want to get into selling a house, go to howtosellahousepodcast.com and we'll give you all the tips. Also, some things that most people won't talk about, like the emotional parts of selling your house and what you need to prepare for. So let's get to it. These are in no particular order, but let's get into some of the things that are really important to do when you're preparing your house for sale. And this one is clean everything. Which seems obvious, but there are a lot of houses we go to go into that are dirty. They've got pet hair everywhere. It smells. There's just these things that somebody living in the house doesn't really see or feel. But when you're walking into it as a you know as your first impression, you definitely want to make sure it's clean. We we strongly suggest you hire a professional cleaning company to really get in there and get every nook and cranny, every baseboard, all those things that kind of build up over time. Want to make sure that those are sparkly when people are going in to see this the house for the first time. And like I mentioned, odors too. Getting pet odors away, getting the carpets cleaned, all that is really, really important for that kind of that first impression. Yeah, I think odors are huge. I think that's one of the most overlooked things when you know getting your ready your house ready for sale. And it's kind of I mean, you live there, so you get used to it. You don't know unless you go on vacation and come back. You're probably still somewhat used to it, but mm-hmm. maybe even bringing in a neutral third party, <laughs> friend, relative, yeah. agent, something like that. Yeah. Let them give you the honest opinion of how am I doing here? Yep. The, the overall thought, too, is you don't live in a house like you sell it. So it's a different it's a different process. You got to kind of remove your this is my house I'm living in mm-hmm. and it's now the house I'm selling. So I got to see it from other people's perspective and from their eyes and. I guess, like you guys said, their nose. Yeah, we, I once had a listing where they had a fish tank. And uh, from time to time, it would not smell very good, like for open houses and everything. So even if you get it clean and sparkling and smelling good right off the bat, remember to keep doing that as you people are coming into the house. One of the tips, too, is to get a pet sitter when you're, when you're having showings. If you have dogs, there, there are people that will come by and take your dog for an hour or two. Just makes it easier on everybody. All right, next point on there is going to be just decluttering. It means different things to different people. Basically, get rid of a lot of the stuff that you have around your house. My thoughts are the simpler, the better. Going through the, those first impressions when people come through, decluttering is going to help potential buyers coming in to put themselves in that property. So you know you're going to get rid of just stuff that's been building up over time. And there's companies or organization people you could hire to help come in if it's just overwhelming and actually go through your house and get rid of stuff, put different piles. This is going to go to storage. This is going to go to Goodwill. This is just going to go to the trash kind of thing. So go through each room, even looking at your furniture. Is your furniture outdated? Furniture can make huge difference in getting your house ready for sale. Walls with 
family photos or artwork or anything like that that's very personal to you, kind of getting rid of all that stuff. Kitchens are a huge thing. If you go out in your kitchen, I'm just thinking of my kitchen right now. It just popped into my head and I got a drying rack. We got a toaster oven. We have, you know, a little, I don't know, we don't have babies anymore, but a bottle drying rack. We got a microwave, a fruit basket, all kinds of stuff that's out there. You're going to want to get rid of all that. Basically, the cleaner you can make that, the the emptier you can look at, not only for showings and stuff, but when you do have those pictures done, it's going to make a huge difference in the the way people perceive your property. Coffees, mixers, microwaves, anything that's sitting out there, find a cupboard for it. It, it might be a pain in the butt because you're still living there. At a minimum, get rid of it for those pictures and that initial showings. This goes for outside. So if you have a bunch of outdoor furniture, umbrellas, whatever you have out there, you could definitely leave it there as long as it's in good condition, it's in good shape. But go around your backyard and patio, wherever you're living, and get that cleaned up as well. Kind of simplify all that, especially when open houses, especially when the property goes live. You're going to want to put away in store your valuables, stuff that's in your medicine cabinet, prescriptions, anything that you don't want potentially messed with, taken. It's kind of not a great way to think about it, but you never know, you know, who's coming into your house during these open houses. Part of the decluttering process too is just kind of making it feel bigger, especially if you're in a smaller house, 1,100, 1,200 square foot. Having three couches in the living room doesn't really make it feel open and inviting. The one thing I always make sure to go through with everybody, you talked about valuables. Some people have firearms, make sure those things are out of the house. You know, and then if you had some crazy expensive art, you might want to consider moving that out of the house before you put it up on the market. Mm -hmm. And lastly, if you got light fixtures or something that is meaningful to you that you don't want to sell with the house, take it before you put up pictures and and show the house. That's the pro tip there. Question for the for the pro tippers here. Um, <laughs> can I just shove everything into my garage or should I get a storage unit? That depends on your situation. <laughs> it's better if the garage is empty, but perfect world of storage unit. Second mm -hmm. is it's better in the garage than in the house. Actually, there's places that'll come take the stuff away. If you know you're moving, downsizing, I mean, we can help you with that totally. If you mm -hmm. know you're downsizing from a bigger house to a smaller house, there's people that will come remove the furniture, sell it at a offsite, and you, you know you get a percentage of what they sell it for. So. If you know that's the case, then do that in the beginning too. It's a great, mm -hmm. great thing to do. Along the lines of these things, you want to make necessary repairs. When you walk through your house, one thing I see a lot that kind of makes me smile or kind of laugh in a way is I'll see light fixtures with screws missing and things like that. But And, and I'm talking little things, but when you go through your house, if there's something, even if it's small, that's not working, the door squeaks, make those small repairs that really just cost you time mainly. Because they draw people's mind to, oh, I wonder what else is wrong with this house. If they walk in, everything's crisp clean and they don't see anything, you just get better offers. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah, and on that front too, kind of go through things that have been bothering you over the past many years you've lived there. You know, you've probably put off many repairs just because it's something small. You don't want to waste the time doing it. Take care. Just make a list, a checklist, and go through every little tiny thing or hire a little handyman to come through and knock all those little things out. Just one less thing that you're going to have to worry about when you do put your home on the market. And some of the ones like Lauren mentioned too is the visual ones are the really important ones. So we see a lot of fogged windows, sliding glass doors, like things that your eyes are drawn to. Get those repaired right off the bat because like 
you said, if there's something that's visually wrong with it, buyers' minds always go to, well, what else is wrong? That is just part of how the brains work. And you'd rather get really good offers and a bunch of them because it looks perfect and clean and then not get renegotiated down when it comes time for a request for repairs. Windows are a great point. A lot of time there's depending on your manufacturer of your window. So you have to check this, but like Milgard, for instance, has a lifetime warranty for the owner of the person who put them in. Mm-hmm. Once you move out of the house, even if you haven't sold it and it's either a rental or vacant, you're not going to be in their in their system to have your windows replaced. The, the fogged ones in particular, mm-hmm. we just had a, a deal out in Vista, made sure the windows, there were eight windows that were fogged. Well, that's, you know, I don't know, $5,000, 4500 bucks mm-hmm. to replace them, all free because they did it before they, before they moved and they're the owners that originally put them in. Mm-hmm. So that's a pro tip too. Check if you have, you know, don't just think of it. I don't want to put that money in it. Check the manufacturer. If you're the one who put them in, you might get them free or for a discounted Discount. price. So mm-hmm. in fogged windows in particular are just an eyesore. Not great. Yeah. And something that gets called out in every single inspection. And one other thing on windows, as you're getting it ready for the market, and see it so many times going into properties that have just came on the market and you walk in, there's a huge window and it's dirty. Wash your windows. Do it right before you take the pictures. I don't know. It's a big thing in my book. <laughs> this is Chris's hot button issue here. <laughs> yeah. if, if there was one thing on a How to Prepare Your House podcast, it would be Chris. Chris's would be wash your windows. Definitely wash your windows. Get those things sparkling. You want to be able to see through them. If the uh, screens are dirty too, take those off, hose those off. Once again, you can do it yourself or hire a professional. There's companies that come out and do this for fairly reasonable rates. Part of having them clean too, it's hard to tell if they have failed, if they're dirty. Sometimes a dirty window looks like it's failed. And if they're just clean to start, then you don't have that issue. One other thing to think about when getting ready to list and sell your home is paint, paint colors. Uh, most people, when they move into a home, they make it custom to themselves. They're painting, you know, rooms for, for kids or, you know, an accent wall that's like your favorite color purple or whatever it might be. Not everybody's favorite color is purple. So <laughs> go through each room. If it's not already a neutral color, that's white, beige, gray, somewhere in that family, paint it that color or have it painted that color. And just in every single room, you want to make sure it's as as neutral as possible. So somebody can walk in and say, awesome. I know what I want to do with this room. Not, oh, that maroon is just not my color. I mean, I'll tell a story of my, myself, when my wife and I were looking for a house a bunch of years ago, we walked into this house. It was canary yellow in the living room. We walked in and we were just newly looking. We walked in and we walked right back out. Well, like three weeks later, it was still on the market, so we went into it again and then bought it, and it's still the house we live in now. But that yellow, bright, bright, bright yellow just turned us off so much, and without kind of that knowledge that it's just paint, it just turns people off and and scares people away. So definitely go through. Um, It's a good time also, uh, if you're changing artwork and everything, to kind of patch up holes, paint over that, and just kind of make sure all those walls are looking Nice and clean and bright. Paint's an important part of the house. It's a it's an important part of the feel. Most people walk into a house and you know it's got bedrooms, baths, all that stuff. It's more about how they feel when they go into the house. And so dark paint in general makes a place feel smaller. And especially the more neutral everything you can do gives them, hey, I can do this here and that there. 
most, a lot of people, and this is just the way we are, don't have as much vision like mm-hmm. Cassidy talked about when he walked in. He His first thought wasn't, oh, I can just paint. That's $2,000. Mm-hmm. It was, oh, let's go. Mm-hmm. So first impressions are big. One thing I'm, I'm always talking to people about, too, in particular about paint, mm-hmm. is make sure the front door looks clean and mm-hmm. crisp. And if it's faded or needs a new paint, a new coat of paint, make sure that's done, too, even if you're not going to do the whole exterior, if mm-hmm. that doesn't need it. Many times the door does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk about first impressions. That is literally, besides the one of our next points, curb appeal. Yep. That's one of the first impressions people are seeing when the, that front door, when they cruise in. And on that point where you're taking off like pictures and that kind of stuff and just put a little patch and maybe a little touch-up paint, I think touch-up paint could only go so far because if it's been on there for a while, it's very difficult to exactly color match. So if you have a 10 different little tiny holes or whatever on your wall, you patch them up, you paint them all. Let's say the original was eggshell. This was maybe a little bit matte or what there, you're, you could tell the difference in certain lights. And so sometimes the best option is to patch them up, repaint everything. Touch up paint is an option, but only, I believe, to a certain extent. Especially the ceiling. I see people touch up the ceiling with matte and it was a sheen or the opposite. Mm-hmm. And then the person's first question is, what, what happened up there? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, yep. so people forget about the ceilings, but that... A nice crisp white with that's a that's flat typically is a good match for the ceiling. But what are, you know what works in your house obviously is what you want to go with. One other option too. Just recently we painted the outside of our house, and my wife and I kind of had a vague idea of what we wanted, but didn't know the exact colors we wanted. So we had we hired a colorist, is somebody that comes out and gives you suggestions on. Colors they can also do inside, but uh, we use it for the exterior. And they kind of come and walk around and look at the things that are in your house, look at the furniture, look at the surroundings, um, and give you um, kind of their thoughts on what the best color options would be. How did you find this person, Cassidy? Uh, it was a referral from um, a friend of ours that lived in the neighborhood too. So, so is that their business, or did they come through a paint store, or a? That's their business. They were okay. self-employed colorists. Next question is to stage or not to stage? That is the question. I think I did that backwards, but nonetheless, <laughs> staging is a critical part to a home. It's kind of like getting your home. Uh, well, if you're getting your car like detailed, that's getting all the paint and all that kind of stuff looking good. Now, staging is going to fill all that in and look like beautiful. And I think there's different levels of staging. Stage it yourself. If you have a good eye, if you have some good interior design ideas, you kind of have, you know, what furniture is going to look at, what kind of furniture is going to fit with your house, or maybe you already have it in there. You can basically hire somebody for a consultation, come in, go through, give you ideas, give you a plan, all that kind of stuff, or could go either way. If you live there or if the house is vacant, stage the entire place with furniture, depending on how much you need to do. Maybe it's just a living area. Maybe it's the whole entire house, including all the rooms and backyards and everything. So there's a bunch of different levels of staging, but some sort of staging I think is critical. First impressions, that's what people are going to cruise in and see. And they're going to see how the house is set up. Can they see themselves living there? And if you have a professional helping you out, they know what Uh, is kind of in right now what people are looking for and although if you do hire a professional stager there is a cost up front uh, think of it more of an investment 
than, than just that cost. Because what you put into it on the front end, you more than likely are going to make on the back end when you do sell your property. And like Chris mentioned, there are levels to staging. You know, some sometimes a consultation, the stager will say, hey, there's a lot of stuff in here that that works and they'll use your furniture or your knickknacks to stage the house and then maybe bring in a couple of little things here and there. But um, that's kind of just a low level version of, of staging your home or low cost level. Let's say that of staging your home. And then like Chris said, there's the level where they just bring in every single piece of furniture, every single knickknack accent, you know, uh, rugs, everything. If you search online and you, uh, you know, if you're trying to figure out who to pick stager wise, we have some stagers we use that'll do the various levels. Mm-hmm. But if you read up on it a little bit, you'll find that in in many of the articles, they'll talk about staging helps increase the price uh, offers on the house anywhere from five to 10, 15 percent, sometimes depending on what level of staging they're doing and what kind of you know price bracket your home's in and all mm-hmm. those things. But it's another one of those first impressions. And it all all kind of comes back down to that, the imagination thing, the yeah. buyer's imagination. Um, it's hard for some people to envision how room's going to get laid out if it's vacant. If there's furniture there that shows where they're going to sit and a fake TV on the wall, you kind of get a feel of how you're going to live in the house right when you walk in, which is important to a lot of people. I, I know I walked through a house not too long ago with one of our guys setting it up. And the people were using the dining room. It didn't even have a dining room light. It was like a catch-all for everything. Mm-hmm. And so really nice, you know, it was a couple million dollar house. You walk in and that's the first thing you see. I know you had to discuss staging with them, but the, that's like you see that right off. Hey, mm-hmm. we should stay, remove this stuff and stage it. But they didn't even have the furniture for that particular place. So mm-hmm. the stager can fit in those pieces that you might not have. And one thing that some photographers or agents kind of combo uh, do offer is something called virtual staging where the house doesn't have anything. You know, let's say it's, it is a vacant house and they put computer generated furniture into the house. It can increase the appeal of the pictures online, but when people do go to the property, it's a completely different thing when they're actually there and there's no furniture at the house. What do you guys think? I'm 100% against it. Just like I'm against people saying you have an ocean view and it's like a sliver. <laughs> That's like an overpromise and well under deliver situation. And that doesn't go well with people. You really want the pictures to sh- make the house shine. But when they get there, that it's a good representation of the home. And that includes staging. It, it's, a, it's a big letdown. Mm-hmm. I, I think it probably costs people money to do things like that, which I don't have any data on that. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> <laughs> I just know from feedback from clients, you walk in and they're like, oh, in the ocean, we, we live near the ocean. So we have ocean view and you'd see this ocean view. And then when you get there, you figure out actually that's been enhanced like 50 times. So <laughs> we're two and a half miles from the ocean, yeah. not like it looks here, like we're down the street. You want people to show up at the house and it's better than what they see in the photos is a, is a great thing, but at least you know, worst case is it's a great representation of the house. The next one we're going to talk about is curb appeal. The curb appeal part of a house, when people pull up, that's the first impression they're going to have of the house. The curb appeal from the exterior standpoint starts really right from the curb. (laughs) So make sure the yard looks good. Make sure the plants look good. If you need to get somebody in to remove some things or 
tighten that stuff up. That always pays off. We talked about the front door. The first things people see when they pull up is is a big deal. Plus, well, if you're us, you're spending a lot of money on photography and video. That's what people are going to see. That's a matter of walking around the house and saying, hey, we need to pick this up, move this. Less is more on that too. Get rid of things versus add add things typically. And then once again, you can do it yourself. You can hire a landscaper. You can get your gardener out there. Just make sure it's looking good for, well, definitely the pictures, but the entire time the house is on the market. So that is the first impression buyers are seeing. And if you did hire an uh, agent, they're going to help you kind of get all your ideas together, kind of organize all this for you, get everything squared away. And you're like thinking, well, all this stuff's going to cost money, you know, fixing this, fixing that. And the agent just wants to, to, you know, sell the house fast and, you know, that kind of stuff. And they're making me pay all this money. Well, in the end, like I said, all this stuff is going to cost money if you are not doing it yourself, if you're hiring out professionals. But in the end, the return on kind of what you're paying is well worth the investment. Well, that, that's the biggest point, too. We're not going to suggest you do things that aren't going to enhance the value of your house or give you a return. Mm-hmm. And moving on from kind of that physical, like, what do I need to do to my house physically to get ready for listing or getting it up for your house up for sale is discussing your pricing strategy with your agent. Obviously, there's going to be different strategies depending on what the market's like, what your market locally is like as well. There are three pricing strategies we go through with sellers, and those are pricing it under market to kind of get that feeding frenzy, uh, price it at market. Sometimes it's kind of a moving target, but finding that perfect spot where you'll get you know, strong offers, but it won't be that feeding frenzy feel. And then the other strategy is over market, which we obviously strongly advise against. We just saw one recently where it was 250000 over market price. It sat for 58 days and two or three houses around it sold in the meantime. So uh, the over market price strategy, not suggested. And that one too is currently the market. We're sitting right at the beginning or kind of uh, May, beginning of May 2022. And if you guys, whenever you listen to this, right now the market is insane. The buyer demand is huge. Homes, for the most part, are going within the first week. And so a house that has been sitting on for 58 days has had multiple price reductions. Just goes to show you that that overpricing is probably not the best strategy. In many instances, depending on the price bracket of your home, it can cost you money. And there's examples of that. I mean, one one of the guys on the team is working on a house that's been on the market. And in our market, it's different, like you mentioned, for several weeks, which is a longer period of time now in a in a million, little over a million price bracket. So they wrote them an offer a little bit under their asking price and they countered above their asking price. So the house will probably still be on the market in a couple of weeks. In this market, so in every market, a buyer looks at the home from the value they're getting. You know, if they feel like they're getting gouged or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> to start off with, it's not a good way to start the uh, the negotiation. Having said all of that, there are some price brackets in the luxury market that pricing is much more fluid. And it isn't, you don't go up and say that's $12,462,000. The seller's got an idea of value. The buyer's got an idea of value. The agents have an idea of value. When you put it at it where people walk in, first impressions we talked about earlier, and they go, wow, this is a good price. The house sells for usually more and pretty quick. And part of preparing kind of that idea of, we're starting that conversation about pricing. It's good to set your expectations to the right level of what you're going to get. 
So like we can see like when people do what you mentioned where they the seller counters over list when the price ca- or the offer came in under that seller had the expectation that they were going to get multiple offers and get over list because that's what's happening to everybody. Sure. Having that expectation match your pricing strategy is a huge part of it. Well, that's what we discuss when we sit down with people is what where are you going? Why? Mm-hmm. And how do you, the pricing really, when you think about it, it's just part of the marketing. Right. So it's not the sales price of your home that you're setting at that point. And that's one really good thing to keep in mind. Every once in a while, we'll get somebody and they go, I've got to be gone. Like, I really need to be gone in a month. Now, in this market, it's much easier to accomplish that. Part of the pricing factor is, hey, I, I want it to sell fast. And I want you, if you want multiple offers, then Part of your pricing strategy is what you talked about at the at the get-go is, hey, we're going to, you know, the last two sales were 1.2, 1.3. We're going to go at 1.15. When people walk in, they're going to go, whoa, it's going to set your house apart. In the end, more than likely, like 99 times out of 100, get to a value of what the house is actually worth. These three pricing strategies, when you're discussing them, it'll help prepare you for kind of time on the market. If you price it under market, you're likely going to get a quicker prep uh, market time. If you price it at market, you're going to get the whatever the current market is, standard market time. If you overprice your property, the market time is usually going to be longer. And as you're preparing your house for sale, you're also going to have to prepare yourself and your family for this whole process. It sounds fun. You're going to sell your house, move on. That whole thing is great, but there is some work involved from all the stuff we just mentioned, getting it prepared for the market, doing the whole uh, sales process, escrow, all that kind of stuff. So just prepare yourself. Well, first off, as you do put it on the market, prepare yourself for the showing aspect of selling the house, depending on what kind of market we're in. If it's not selling that first weekend, you're going to get showings throughout the week, on the weekends. Prepare yourself to have the house cleaned, have it show ready. could be kind of a lot of work. But in the end, it's definitely going to be worth it. Uh, What's your exit strategy as far as where is your family going to go during showings? Don't be there during the showings. Let the people, let the buyers come in, explore the property themselves, get their feel of the property. They're going to be the ones living there. If there's any questions, your agent at the end can relay those to you. You don't need to be there for any of that kind of stuff. And one of the things, too, is making it as open to showings as possible. The houses that sit in kind of normal markets are the ones that only have showings from sat- on Saturday and Sunday from one to three. You know, have your house available to show. As, as soon as a buyer wants to see it, you want to make sure that they can get them in. You know, I have a quick story. I've been doing this quite a while. Back in the day, I had a older gentleman that's super nice. They were selling their house that they'd had forever. They're very proud of their house. It was a great house. So I went through the process and, you know, when you when we're showing it, please leave. And the house was priced right. It's a gorgeous house. It was on the market for like, I, I hate to even say now, because back in the day, uh, 90 days was normal. So it was on for a little bit of time and a number of showings. And I'm like, what? No offers yet. This is really strange. So a couple of the last few agents that showed it over a weekend, I called up. I'm like, hey, how'd the house show? They said, oh, the house is great. I'm like, so what, you know, they went through a lot of things. The bottom line was they felt uncomfortable around this really nice older man that was super proud of his house, showing it to him. The people that bought it actually were a younger couple and they were going to do a lot of stuff to the house and they didn't feel comfortable to stay there and talk about it. So mm-hmm. they just didn't write an offer. Luckily, I caught it, uh, you know, turned and said, hey, well, I'll make sure they're out of there. I went and corralled them and said, let's go, Frank and Francis, let's go do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Let's go have lunch. <laughs> People were there for like an hour, you know, and they did do a lot of stuff to the house, but they bought it. That seems like you're the one who knows the most about the house and you want to explain it to them, but that can be done later. The first showings, you want them to do it on their own and you want their agent to be there to answer questions. And the other part of this little twist of this too you don't want me as a buyer's agent asking you directly seller questions about your motivation and your, there's some really good agents out there and they'll start peppering you to figure out how they can craft an offer based on your weaknesses that you that you pass on. So that's another reason not to be there. But so if you guys want to learn more, bunch of resources, all the episodes, kind of explore everything there is to know about how to sell your house, go visit howtosellhousepodcast.com. We got it all for you there. Catch you on the next episode. 